Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's great to be here with you guys around God's Word today. Um, my name is Keith Seymour, if you don't know who I am, and I serve as a student ministry director here at Prince William. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, how many people in the line of succession needed to be sick for me to be able to preach this morning? And, uh, and so you guys are unfortunately stuck with me, um, but unfortunately God's Word will speak hopefully more than I can. So I uh, wanted to start off with a, uh, a brief uh, story about three expectant fathers that are waiting in a labor and delivery room. And the first, uh, the first one, the nurse walks to the door and says, congratulations, uh, you have twins. And his jaw dropped. He said, wow, like, this is such a coincidence. I play for the Minnesota Twins. And then the, the second nurse walks in and says to the second gentleman, he says, congratulations, you have triplets. And he says, wow, like, this is very ironic because I work for a company called 3M. And it was at this point that the third guy just fell over, fainted on the ground. And when he came to, the nurse asked him, said, are you okay? And he said, yes, I work for a company called 7up. And as humorous as that may be, and relatable uh, as that may be for some of us, we're told in Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5, that children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, and like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, meaning children. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And so the passage that we're going to be covering today is probably a familiar one. In fact, we probably all know a song that's based around the truths relating to this passage. So I don't feel like I need to convince you of some of the things because we already know uh, some of the the truths in this passage, but we're going to talk about how it applies to our our daily lives and our church family. And so you guys might be familiar with the song, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children children of the world. And Jesus does love the little children of the world, as we'll learn here today in Mark 10. Uh, But sadly, many people in our world do not. And that's what we want to discuss here today. So the value of children in our day is less than ideal, is what Jesus commands us to. And so over 140 million orphans, half a million children are in the U.S. foster care system, 130,000 are available for adoption, 2.2 billion children worldwide, and almost half of those, 1 billion, are in poverty. 2 million being exploited in harmful ways as we speak, and 40% of kids go to bed without a father in America. 1.7 million children will have a parent in prison this coming Christmas. If Jesus loves the little children, there is a serious gap between what the Word tells us and the reality in the world today. And so we're going to talk about that gap and how we can play a part in bridging that gap. So Mark 10, verse 13 through 16, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to them in your Bibles, but it'll also be up on the screen as I read it. And so Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, we'll dive right in. And it says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Verse 15 says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them into his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Why don't we just pause and pray real quick before we continue? So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for a chance to gather here around your word today. We pray, Father, for your blessing on us, God, as we look into your word and how it relates to our daily lives. God, we pray that you would. 
be blessed as we, as we uh, uh, be attentive to what your word would have to say to us. And God, I pray that I would communicate clearly and effectively, Lord, as you've laid on my heart what to say. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys haven't been here any length of time or if you're new, uh, we've been in a series where we're um, going through the book of Mark. And as Jesus keeps teaching about what it means to be a good follower of his in chapter 10, it can be split up into five different parts. So last week we actually covered marriage, verses 1 through 12, and this week we're going to be covering children, and then um, it continues into verses 17 through 31 later about possessions, and then service in verses 32 to 45, and then fifth and lastly we have uh, verses 46 through 52 discussing faith and what it means to follow Jesus. In this part specifically, verses 13 through 16, what we're going to be covering today, Jesus is showing how much he cares for children by talking about two important things. Uh, Number one, it's kind of divided into two different sections that we'll cover today, is that we should bring uh, children to Jesus. And as you guys notice, as you sit in here, or maybe you have a child sitting on your lap, we have these uh, occasional family worship services where children are welcome to attend in our, our adult services as well. And this is modeling uh, verses 13 and 14, where it says we should bring children to Jesus. We should include them into faith activities. And then number two, the second part of the the passage that we'll learn today is we should learn from children about the kingdom of God. So number one, we should bring children to Jesus. And number two, we should learn from children about the kingdom of God. So number one, we should bring children to Jesus. Um, Two parts of this, we should love children children to Jesus. Of course, we want to demonstrate a love, and there seems to be a stark contrast between the parents of the children in this passage and the disciples who Jesus was trying to teach and prepare for ministry even when he left the earth after his resurrection. So there's a stark contrast that the parents, which is kind of referred to as they in the passage. So if you look at verse 13, it says, and they were bringing children to him. And it's implied that it was both parents, or even maybe even more than just the parents, maybe it was other relatives, or maybe it was friends of the family, that they wanted to bring children there that weren't able to get to them, uh, to Jesus themselves. So they were eager to bring the children to Jesus. The disciples, though, however, seem to see children as a waste of time. In fact, it says that they harshly rebuked the parents for trying to bring children to Jesus, implying that Jesus is way too busy to stop what he's doing to focus on your your children. And I love that it doesn't just end there, right? Uh, The disciples rebuked the parents, but then who rebukes the disciples? Jesus does. Jesus rebukes the disciples very harshly. We're going to talk about this in just a moment and what that what the implications are that for or uh, that leads to that. But ask you a question. In our church family, are you more like the parents that were eagerly trying to bring their children to Jesus, maybe the friends of the family or even the, um, uh, both parents bringing their children to Jesus, or are you more like the disciples who don't have any time for, quote, babysitting? <laughs> and I would say, um, uh, practically speaking, we want to ask ourselves this question as a church family because we have vacancies in how we serve our children on a regular basis. We have vacancies in our Rock Student Ministries, in our WANA program, in our preschool and nursery, in our school-age children. And so I want to challenge you guys to think as Jesus would. And also, will we all collectively stand up and be heard on the evils of abortion and sex trafficking and poverty among children in this world? Are we playing our part to love children to Jesus? The second part is that we want to lead children to Jesus, and the text says that when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. 
So when Jesus saw the behavior of the disciples and how they harshly rebuked the parents for trying to bring their children to Jesus, he was indignant. And this is actually the only time in the Gospels that Jesus is said to be indignant. It was the only time they used this word. And his anger, which was righteous anger, because we know that Jesus didn't sin, was aroused and he publicly rebuked them in the strongest terms. James Edwards, he actually says, the object of a person's indignation, so in other words, what we get angry about, reveals a great deal about the person. And Jesus' displeasure here reveals his compassion and defense of the helpless, vulnerable, and powerless. So we can gather here that Jesus is affirming that children are worth our time. And they should be worth our time as well. They were worth his time, and they should be worth our time as well. But then Jesus has this amazing uh, threefold response after the indignation. After he gets really angry at the disciples, he actually says, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. And then he says, For such belongs to the kingdom of God. So the question begs is, how do, we, how do we lead children to Jesus? How do we actually lead our children to Jesus? Um, <clears throat> some of you guys know that I, I'm a lover of all things two wheels. So I, I'm an avid uh, dirt bike rider and bicycle rider and, and, uh, and love that. And I, I was recently uh, selling some motorcycle parts on Facebook Marketplace. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but there's a real risk when you kind of sell something and, and you don't just meet them in a public place. And you know, usually I try to meet them up somewhere or something like that because you, know, you don't know what type of person. You don't want to necessarily invite them to your house to come and pick up something that you're selling. And so I had sold these, uh, these parts or I was selling these parts and this guy contacted me and we agreed on a price. And then uh, I, was, uh, I just you know, told him my address to come pick him up. And then I was like, wait a second, I just told him my address. Like maybe I should look at this guy's pr- Facebook profile to see like, is this guy going to, like, kill me? Like, is he going to, you know, rob me? Like, what, you know? And so I was, I was like, man, I should have done this before I told him my address. But let me just say, I looked on, on his Facebook page, and I was like, oh, this guy looks a little rough around the edges. So I'm like, man, I'm hoping this goes well. So I, I'm preparing Caroline, my wife. You know, we have four boys, and, you know, my idea is, like, I want to protect and, and, uh, and, and cherish them. And so I, I revealed to Caroline um, my willingness to show this guy my address and she's like you did what like you, he's gonna come to our house and I was like well yeah like maybe he's not gonna kill us like it's you know it's gonna be fine and so uh so I'm telling her but I'm like but listen this is what we're gonna do like I'm gonna go out what before he even arrives I'm gonna like close up our garage door and I'm just gonna wait for him outside so that like you know he doesn't see like other stuff that we have or like an idea of like oh I'm gonna rob this place later or anything like that so like I'm like preparing like for for the worst so this guy finally pulls up into our driveway, and he gets out of his truck, and he is like, I mean, big guy, big old beard, tattoos everywhere, kind of a gruffly looking, you know, gentleman, and I'm thinking, what did I just do? And so he comes up, and he goes, you know, he introduced himself, and he said, hey, before I look at these parts, I have a serious question to ask you, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, what am I what is he going to say? Like, I, don't, I have zero expectation of where this conversation is going to go. And he goes, how do I live, lead my kids to Jesus? And I said, kind of like, that was not what I was expecting you to ask. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, he's like, after like, uh, you know, we had talked like online, he's like, I looked at your Facebook profile to make sure I wasn't going to a criminal's house or something. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and he said, I could, I could see that you were a youth pastor. And, uh, and he's like, so uh, I actually was raised in the church, and I, I was a follower of Jesus, and then like, I just walked away from my faith. I got married, and I had kids, and now that I'm seeing my kids grow up, 
I really want them to know Jesus. So how do I lead my kids to the Lord? And again, I was like flabbergasted at this amazing opportunity that just like plopped itself in, you know, into, into my lap here. And so for the next half an hour, I described to him, you know, best I could on the fly of how you could lead your, your kids to the Lord. And of course, Caroline's looking out the window like, Did, is my husband dead? Like she didn't know, you know, because I didn't go back inside. Like she's like, why is he out there so long? What are they talking about? Like, is he, are they going to start throwing punches or something? And, uh, and it turns out that the, this guy was a soft-hearted, just kind man that wanted to genuinely learn how to lead his children to the Lord. And so five things I share with him that I'll share with you today as well. And one is share the gospel with him. Share the gospel with them. Share the hope of Jesus Christ that we are saved by faith alone and Christ alone and that they need a savior just as much as, as we as adults do. So share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. How do we lead our kids to the Lord? Pray with them. You know, actively pray with them. Pray for them and pray with them. Uh, I never forget when I uh, first started, we first had our uh, son Hudson, we were actively trying to pray for him. And, and one of our uh, mentors, and he's a, a fellow pastor, he was like, listen, no matter what, like always pray for them before they go to bed. Like, even if you come home late, like, go into the rooms, like, pray for them. And, and we just have regularly done that as our boys have grown up. So pray with them. Pray for them. Saturate their minds in Scripture. So read to them. Uh, read with them. Um, saturate their minds in Scripture. Have them involved with, with uh, kids' ministry and, and, uh, and sermons and listening to the Word of God preached. Saturate their minds in Scripture. Number four is model the Christian life for them. I cannot say this enough that we need to model what it looks like to follow Jesus. And in fact, we are the most influential people in our child's life. So those are, for those of you guys that are, in, that are parents in here, model the Christian life for them. And number five, encourage them to attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. The old William Carey quote, um, missionary, he says, um, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. One of the consistent prayers that I pray for all four of our boys is that they would grow up to make a huge impact on this world for Jesus. Pray that. Talk about that. Ask them questions around how they will use their gifts and their strengths and their abilities to benefit the kingdom of God. Encourage them to attempt great things for God and expect great things from him. So we are to lead our children to Jesus. And then the second part of the passage in verse 15 and 16, Jesus kind of takes a turn from welcoming them and kind of demonstrating, okay, like this is how we welcome children but then he switches to a lesson for his disciples. And he says to them, we should learn from children about the kingdom of God. He's communicating to his disciples and people that were on looking that, hey, listen, we need to demonstrate uh, what these, ch- these children are doing um, as far as the kingdom of God. Warren Wearsby says wisely, he says, we tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after the children. I'll read that again. We tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells adults to model themselves after the children. And so in what ways is Jesus saying to learn from children about the kingdom of God? Well, number one, I love how uh, a guy named Daniel Aiken, how he words it so simply. He says, become helpless and hopeful. Helpless and hopeful. Verse 14, children do not have the pride and the self-importance that adults often have. In fact, they'll just go up and talk to a random stranger. They have the confidence. And I once heard that, uh, that no one is bold enough to ask a king for a drink of water at 3 a.m. than a child. We come helpless and we come hopeful. 
helpless in the sense that even in this passage, the parents and the onlookers are bringing children to Jesus. And it's probably because they couldn't physically do that themselves. In the same way, we are helpless to come to Jesus for salvation. But we're hopeful that he will help us. So we need to come to Jesus helpless and hopeful. Number two, we come to Jesus trusting and dependent. For those of you guys that have spent any time around toddlers, you know that they, um, especially boys, I don't know with our, our boys if this is unique or not. I'm, I'm confident, I'm pretty confident it's not. But they love randomly just jumping into your arms from great heights. <laughs> you guys experience this? So uh, Dawson, our third, is probably the most daring. In fact, like sometimes he's like at the top of our stairs on our second floor and he's like, hey dad, catch me, I'm, I'm coming. And he's just like running and I'm like, no, 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 no. And, uh, but just the other day as I was preparing for this message, uh, uh, Clive, our, our toddler, our three-year-old, um, I was getting stuff out of the car and had my arms full and then I go to open his door. He had already unbuckled himself and he literally, as soon as I opened the door, jumped into my arms. And I, was, I wasn't even confident that I could hold him. In fact, I, I really couldn't. Like, I literally had to just like, pin him up against the car like, to keep him from just like, splatting on the, on the pavement. But in that moment, I realized, like, man, you trust me more than I trust myself to, to hold you. And in the same way, we come to Jesus trusting in full dependence upon him. We don't do like the toe-in-the-water mentality when it comes to salvation. We're like, we're just going to see how this works, um, but we're not really going to fully trust we trust Jesus for salvation, just like you guys are trusting the chair that you're sitting in. You're fully depending on it. So children are naturally trusting, and I believe that that was a quality that Jesus was emphasizing here is, uh, in this passage. The third thing is that we, uh, we come for affection and blessing. In verse 16, he blessed them, laying his hands on them. In a wonderful book called The Blessing, there was two authors, John Trent and Gary Smalley, who, uh, who wrote about several components of the Hebrew blessing. Fiverr noted that there was a meaningful touch involved with the Hebrew blessing. There was a spoken word. There was attaching high value. There was picturing a special future for the child. And then there was an active commitment to the child. And so as we, uh, as we prepare our hearts, um, as we uh, close here in just a few moments, I wanted to challenge you guys with two primary questions from this passage. And number one, is are we loving and leading our children to Jesus? Are we loving and leading our children to Jesus? Parents, are you praying for? Are you sharing the gospel with? Are you uh, reading scripture to? Are you uh, expecting great things for them to, to be done for the Lord and encouraging them to do so? We as a congregation, are we making sure that the, the parents that are coming here to worship the Lord, that they have a, a safe place to drop their, their students or their, their uh, children off to be cared for? Um, in a church that models what Jesus believes about children, I believe that there wouldn't be vacancies in our, in our uh, children's ministry in Awana and when we need volunteers for VBS, that we would all collectively just pitch in to, to help care for and love and lead these children to the Lord. And then the second question I want to invite us to is, for those of you guys in here that may not know Jesus personally, have we approached God with childlike faith for our salvation? Have we approached God with childlike faith for our salvation? When it comes to the gospel, um, you guys may have heard of, of the, the life in six words acrostic that, that Pastor Todd and I often use. And it's basically this, that God has created us to be with him. He has created us to have a loving and a perfect relationship with him. But it was because of our sin that it, we were separated us, uh, separated us from the Lord in his perfection. 
You guys know from the Garden of Eden that, that uh, Adam and Eve, the first um, uh, thing that happened after they sinned was that they were kicked out of the garden. There was a, a physical separation. And that has deteriorated our relationships with each other as well. So vertical relationship is severed and also a horizontal relationship with others is severed. And then uh, we often try to, and this is what I believe firmly growing up, is that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. We try to do good deeds to make up for bad things that we do. But in the end, it's similar to like uh, if I burned a cake and I just put white icing over top of it, right? And I try to serve it to to uh, uh, some guests, it wouldn't work. It, it wouldn't solve the actual problem. It would just cover it up. And so in reality, the, uh, the sins that, that cannot be removed by good deeds, they still have to be paid for uh, by um, a loving Savior, which brings in the P for the gospel acrostic, which is paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. And he modeled this by a perfect life for us. And then he died a sinner's death on the cross, an innocent uh, person who, who died a sinner's death on the cross for us. And then the E in gospel is everyone who trusts in him has eternal life. And then life with Jesus, it doesn't just start after we die on earth here, but it actually starts now and it lasts forever. So we have an opportunity to respond to Jesus in childlike faith. We don't know the, all, all the answers. Just like if I brought my five-year-old up here and I said, you know, Dawson, explain this iPhone to me. <laughs> he wouldn't know how it works or like, you know, and uh, uh, he wouldn't understand the complexities of some of the things but he would just trust that it works, right? He would just understand that it is a phone that works. And so in the same way, we don't have all of our questions answered before we have enough to, to go by, to, to place our faith in Jesus. We have to jump out in childlike faith to surrender our own way of salvation to Jesus's way of salvation and trust him wholly for that. So what I want us to do is, is I'd like for you all to bow your heads and just close your eyes. And I wanna give you guys an opportunity to pray and to ask the Lord how he would have you respond today. Maybe you're in that category where you just know that the Lord is maybe pressing on your heart to, uh, to serve children in some tangible way. Maybe you are uh, burdened by um, orphans in this world or um, poverty um, that affects so many children in this world, and you want to be an advocate to, um, to these children. Maybe the Lord is asking you to take next steps in that, to model how he views children as well. Maybe you're in here and you're in that other category where you've never trusted Jesus as your savior. And I want to invite you to do that now in the quietness of this moment and the quietness of your own heart. You can just pray to the Lord. You don't need to um, uh, be in a church to do that. But for you right now, and maybe those of you guys that are watching online, you can trust Jesus right now from the quietness of this moment. You can pray to him. You can say, God, would you allow me into your family? I want to trust you as my savior. Just as a child would leap into his father's arms, I want to trust in you for my salvation as I, as I leap into faith with you. You can just pray that in the quietness of this moment, and God promises that he will hear your cry for him when you acknowledge his name before others. So why don't we just take a moment before we have this, uh, this next song to just sit in silence before the Lord and ask him how we should respond to his word today. So let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word and how it relates to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see children as you do, Father. God, that we would love them to you. God, that we would lead them to you. Lord, that we would learn from them when it comes to childlike faith and salvation. God, we appreciate this relevant message to us, Father, as our world is in need and often devalues children in our world through the, the results and the stats that we see prevalent in them. God, we pray that we would stand 
in that gap between what the word is telling us to do and also what the world is experience. God, we pray that we as Christians would stand in that gap and pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen.